There we go. Good morning again. Good morning. Have a good week. Pretty good. The mud went away. The rains came. But we're not here to talk about the weather. We like to common and common icebreakers talk about the weather. As long as the wheels didn't fall off, you you're doing okay. The the vehicle made it to the next. I'm taking a little detour from First Peter. We're gonna just put that on hold this Sunday. We're gonna go to Romans. And chapter eight. Some wonderful verses. Paul had been talking about hope. He's been talking about suffering. How many know if you're suffering, you need some hope? No, a good word. A little a little suffering often brings us to a, probably a better place. I don't know how that always works that way, but that's, that God is, he does some of his best work when we're, when we're in a little suffering. Because there, there is actually verses that we could talk about that identify, unless we suffer a little bit, we can't really identify with who Jesus is. He wants us to be like him. That's going to require a little suffering. He said, take up your cross. It's not, it's, it's not always going to be a picnic. He says. To live a carefree, uh, you know, live a, uh, a problem-free life is, is, is set yourself up for disillusionment. Because Jesus said, in this world you have trouble. But let me finish it with, but I have overcome. Don't be worried. Don't be... Don't be fretted. God is able to somehow take things that are crazy, make something good. There's always something good that comes out of a pain or a suffering. So with Tal List, the love of God is actually, this is where the source, this is why God does what he does, is he's a God of love. A God that desires for all people to understand that his love is beyond any other love. When everything else fails, when everyone else bails, God is present there to help you. Paul was talking about much of the suffering from his own experience. Because he became a Christian, he switched sides the devil now is his enemy. Paul is an enemy to the devil. Paul was under often affliction, attacks of being shipwrecked, exposed, we can go on the list, but we're not here to talk about just the suffering. We're here to talk about what God does in the midst of all the problems of this world. So we'll read from beginning at verse 28, Romans 8. And we know that God causes 
all things. To, he didn't say some things. He said all things. To work together for good to those who have to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. A huge bunch of things right there. There's a lot of things happening. Number one, our first point, we're going to say God causes. Now here's the question. Does God cause that thing to happen? I often, more would often say God allows it. He doesn't do things just to beat us up or to mess with us because we live in a fallen world, because sin entered the picture. Cursed by sin. The problem is sin entered in to mankind, my advice throat is. <clears throat> I'm so, starting to sound like an old-fashioned preacher. Whose fault was it? Adam would say it was hers. Oh, we're quick to blame. Pass the buck. Find an excuse. Justify our own stuff. But I'm here to say, when we start to justify, God says, wait a minute. I'm not going to force it on you. But here's the deal. If you will confess your sin, I will forgive and cleanse your sin. If you hide your sin, I will not. God causes us. For those who love him, it says, God works everything together for good. Isn't that an interesting combination? There's a combination. God works all things. So you're having a bad day, okay? Somebody have a bad day once in a while? A bad, many things went wrong, and it's just one thing after another. Oh, you've never had, oh, Nathan, oh, you've not, come on now, you've had a bad day or two. Every day is a good day, though. Every day is a good day. No matter if I love God. When I choose to love God, then I see is, there's hope. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Praise God. Would he say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant? What would you have him say to you? Well, that's, 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 that's it. When we come to the end, when we meet him face to face, what do we want to hear? Well done. What does it mean? Well done, meaning keeping the faith in spite of all the opposition. That's the fight we're in. We're in battle. Hey, hello? We're not on a cakewalk. We're not in heaven yet. We're in the battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. 
There are things we'll, I will never know this side of heaven. You know, I, I kind of think that's the way it's supposed to be. Hi, hello, yeah. Because if I knew all the things that would happen to me, oh, then I'd start figuring out this fix-it scenario thing. How to avoid this. Yeah, do the best you can. Yes, eat proper, do, I'm not good at, I always, I like sugar, yeah, I confess. Here's a verse that I come to. Uh, well, there's a verse that has to do with loving God. First of all, Deuteronomy 6, 5. This is Old Testament. This is Old Testament history. This is, this is still the word of God to us. And you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We sang the song, more love, more power. Our part is to love God, period. Loving God may not mean that you feel like you are up. Come on. You may not feel like praising the Lord. But deep down in your soul and your heart, you know that you love him. And you have committed yourself to his care. When Joseph was found, he found himself imprisoned and thrown out by his brothers, sold into slavery. Joseph had no clue what was going to be the outcome of all this. After all, he did nothing wrong. But because of jealousy from his brothers, they hated him. Because his father seemed to favor him. And Joseph found himself in prison, forgotten by one of the buddies. That said, uh, uh, you know, he said, remember me, talk to the guys, help me get out of here. Hey, I'm not guilty. Hey. And he went off, forgot about him. But God didn't forget about him. Long story longer. Joseph found himself beginning to be finding favor in front of the king. And just so happened, God knows, knew all the stuff that was going, just so happened it was a famine. Food was running out. When food is running out, there's this word called, I'm going to think of it now, hangry. Angry, hangry. Right? There's certain people that get angry if they don't eat. And I won't mention any names. <laughs> God had a plan beyond Joseph's understanding 
Joseph became the tool or the salvation for his family. I don't know how God does it, but he does it. Because he's God, he's a way above, far beyond all that I can even comprehend or think. So it came back full circle when Joseph had his brothers and they didn't recognize him at first. You know, things had changed. They thought he was dead. The father thought he was dead. He was, he was grieving. Then he was tested. Then the brothers were tested. And you know that story is a fascinating story. Because God was not only concerned about their physical, he was concerned about their spirituality. And he wanted their hearts to be in repentance. Change. Change. That's what God is doing. He's in the business of changing hearts. Hallelujah. I can't, God, I can't say that God makes these circumstances up, but life itself has a way of getting us into trouble. But because God is God, he's able to take troubled people, troubled circumstances, troubled hearts, and begin to pour in a new life, a new heart, a healing from the name of Jesus. And we know that God causes all things to work. If you're going through a situation right now, you don't have the answers, you don't know what you're going to do, you begin to claim this verse, God, work it together for good. I don't see it now, but maybe 10 years, who knows, maybe a couple of days. Another verse out of the book of Deuteronomy. I begin to really love this verse over the last several years. When I don't have an answer, one of my memories, I had a funeral for a man who was killed in an accident. And the sister came to me. I knew this, I knew this family. And they said, why did God take so-and-so? That was on their mind. Listen, I didn't know what to say. I was getting ready to preach the service. And what's right at right in right in there? I don't know what I said. I thought I I think I said something that was okay, but I had another working relationship. When I was in college, I worked with a masonry crew that had lost their younger brother in a drowning accident, fishing. And they were tipping the bottles and whatever, and things got out of hand. He helped the others get into shore. He was the strongest. He helped them get into shore, but he went down. And this family was in a huge, huge pile of hurt. You can imagine, when I showed up, the, the father told me later, I thought it was Pete coming back. I don't, I don't have a clue. I picked 
their name out of the phone book thinking maybe they'll hire me. Sure enough, they did. <laughs> it was a time where it was as if God was orchestrating to listen to these guys. They were bicker on the job. They were brothers fighting. You know, they were just antagonistic. They wouldn't listen to one another. The oldest would try to be in control, and then the younger one would deny, whatever. He wanted to do it his way. There was, but when I got him alone, they would, they would, when I'd ride with them, maybe separate from the, they would open up and say, well, what's going on here? Yeah. Was at a, it was at a Christmas party. It was a, was a big D. He was, the, he was the daddy. He had had a few drinks. I know he was a little under it. But he started to point his finger at me, and he was pounding on my chest a bit like this. Why did God take my son? I don't know what I said, but something came up. I said something. God did not take your son. I don't know what I said. I think we have to look at it differently. God receives us. God isn't out to take lives. He receives them. And whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. People that have been hurt by the church by God, so to speak, have been misunderstood that somehow God is out there to beat you up. If you make one wrong move, you're out. That's not the God I serve. God is a God of mercy, a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances, on and on it goes, as long as we have the breath, but don't wait. Don't wait till your last breath. Receive them now. The message is simple. God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to live separate from him. Does not want you to miss all eternity with him. He does not want you to go to a place that is without him. Secondly, God is for us. God causes all things to work together for good. Secondly, God is for us. We find this in verse 31 at Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? It's like to say, come on. Who do you think can stand up to Almighty God? Who do you think is big enough? No one is. There's no other power, there's no other demonic, there's no other devil that can outpower God Almighty. Heaven and earth would tremble at his voice. And so why should I allow the enemy to batter me around? Why should I allow negative thoughts to come in? Oh, I'm not good enough. That's not from God. Oh, if I had only done this. Verse John, verse 4, chapter 4, verses 4, 
God is our strength. You are from God, little children, little children, and have overcome them. What is he saying? I've overcome what? In the previous verse, we're talking about false spirits, false teachers, people that were really not connected with God. They were in something else. He said, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in you. This is huge, because God lives in you. Let's get it right. God is living in you. God is spirit. When you invite Jesus in your heart, God's spirit comes in. You li- he lives. You become a vessel. That's what being born again is. That's what salvation is. Our sins are forgiven, but we are saved now to live above what the old man, the old sinful nature. Yes, it keeps coming back. Crucify the flesh. Paul said, God is for us. He who did not spare his own son, verse 32, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect. Isn't it interesting? God, he is God's elect. What does that mean? God has, you know, does that mean God is only going to choose those who he just separated? I don't want those people over there. No, no, that's not what it means. God's elect is all those who accept Christ become God's. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1. Predestined those who will believe, a reference to all those who come to Christ. Who can stand against? Who, who can stand up? Who, Jesus is going to stand with you and I on judgment day. He's mine. She's mine. Who is the one who condemns? Verse 34. Before I get ahead of myself, there's an Old Testament story. It's just absolutely fascinating in the book of 2 Kings. I can take a moment. How many read 2 Kings lately? Been a while, huh? How many read the Old Testament? Good. It's sometimes hard to figure out. And uh, we'll just keep plowing through it. Oftentimes we find, okay, I'll get it there. I'll get it. Second Kings chapter 6. This story is fascinating. Elisha is, is the prophet of God or the God. Elijah followed Elijah. This is, don't get confused. Elijah was first and then Elisha. Elisha served Elijah. He learned. He was mentored by, by Elijah. There's another whole message. Mentors are important in the church. Mentors are important on the job. Mentors help you Help other people get to where they need to get. So by this time, Elisha, God was using 
And there was this commotion, there was this enemy of God that was coming against the people of God from uh, Syria. And about 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 15, I'll read. Now, when the attendant of the man of God, this is another, this is a whole new, uh, you know, setup of, of, what was the word I just used? Must be getting to that age. Mentor. It happens to you too? Okay. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses, chariots, was circling the city, and the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? What are we going to do? Here's what Elijah said. Verse 16. Don't, don't, don't fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Then Elisha prays, verse 17, I pray open his eyes that he may see. And that's exactly the key. Lord, help me to see what is really going on in the spirit. How many know God can do that? He can do that in your spirit. You get a sense to mm, this is what's going on. This is how I need to pray. That's the help of the Holy Spirit, the revelation. And so thus, there was no problems. Elijah wasn't even, you know, just another day. God is with us. And that enemy was just done away with. You see, key verse in this text that we started reading in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, and down to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of, of Christ? Well, let me back up. Verse 34. Who, he is the Christ who has died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Put your name in there. Put your name. Jesus intercedes for Bonnie. Put your name in there. We've got it. He's got us. All we got to say is, Lord, I messed up. I can't save myself. I can't get it right. But I'm trusting in you. God is for you. He wants you in his kingdom forever and forever. We overwhelmingly conquer, verse 37, back to the text. And these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. He's not saying we'll just get by, we'll somehow hang on to the end. No, he's saying we are overcomers. You see, that's all inside us. It's what's going on in your thoughts right now. It's what's going on in your spirit, man. But will you drink from the fountain? When you seek him and spend time with him, you draw the living water. I'm going to skip to the third point. God justifies. At verse 33, we read, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? 
God is the one who justifies. Now, what in the world does that mean? Justifies, he makes us right. He makes you clean. He makes you in right relationship with the Father. He makes you acceptable. He makes you able to receive his gifts. When we don't know what to do, we say, Jesus, I do not come in my own merit. I do not come in my own power. I do not come in my own strength. I do not lean on my own understanding. I don't even know a whole lot, but I know one thing, that God is who he says he is. He is God. Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit is helping us understand who Jesus is. Well, The problem with humanity and even in the church, we try to make excuses. We don't like to admit things we've done wrong. And I'm not saying you've got to go around admitting to everybody you've done things. You talk to Jesus about it, okay? You talk to Jesus about it. It's not about Sometimes it's something even that we thought was a big deal, but God says, I'm going to put my finger on that. Wait a minute, you had an attitude back Let's work on it. Let's bring that to me. You see, even after I become a Christian, I still sin. Let's, let's just admit it. But the difference is I know where my forgiveness is, admitting, confessing, and realizing he took my place. My sin put him on the cross. I must take responsibility saying, Lord, in my ignorance, in my selfishness, Did you know that Jesus never sinned? You knew that. The perfect Lamb of God. Yet he was tempted in everything you can imagine. That's not the sin. The sin is when we act on it. He took my place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin, become sin. What in the world? You see, in the Old Testament, they would have a goat. They called him a scapegoat. And the priests would lay and confess the sins of the people and then scurry that goat out into the wilderness to perish. And it represented removing the sin out of the people. That scapegoat is Jesus. The King of Kings comes down into this earth and lives among us and becomes sin. 
He took on, why, was he, why did this have to happen? He, he had to take our sins. He had to die because sin produces death. Well, he didn't do anything wrong. No. But because he so loves you and I, he knows you can only be saved because of his blood. And then we accept him. It's what he's done. The love of God. Think about it. The love of God passes, surpasses all of my imagination. I can't even fathom all that he has. There's more. God has never exhausted. God is never too busy for you or me. His heart longs for his people. Isaiah 53, you can read that on your own. Three to six talks about he took our infirmities, by his stripes we are healed, talking about a lamb, which is this prophecy that's been fulfilled through Isaiah. 